Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's another edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Brian Wheeler with you as usual. It is our Wednesday edition of this uh, fine podcast, and we have an opportunity to welcome in uh, one of the uh, top flight reporters in the area. In fact, if you look locally across the nation, you won't find a more refined, a more skilled, a more intuitive reporter than the gentleman that we have at our attention for this very day. And I'm speaking, of course, of one of the uh, beat writers for the Portland Trailblazers. You uh, read his stuff online. And uh, if you still get papers, as I do, in the Oregonian, you know, just like the old days, uh, taking the paper out and reading <laughs> it that way. I'm speaking, of course, of Aaron Fentress. Aaron, how are you, sir? Doing well. I don't know if I can live up to that introduction, but I'll try my best. Wow, you must have got you must have gotten that Venmo. I think. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I think I think, uh, I think it's, it's it's very easy, and I'm, I'm you know I I, I think uh, you sent me a uh, text a couple of weeks ago said would you be on our podcast uh, someday? So so I, I want to make sure we give everybody a chance to know how they can find you via the podcast as well because uh, you're busy adding to your your many duties in that respect as well. So uh, so tell everybody how they can find you via podcast and also on Twitter too. Yeah, Twitter is uh, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N-J, Fentress, F-E-N-T-R-E-S-S. And then I do a podcast once or twice a week called the Blazer Focused Podcast, a play on words of Blazer Focused. And it can be found pretty much anywhere, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcast, Blazer Focused. Very nice. Our uh, Believe in Blazers podcast is brought to you in part by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and ads, as well as the odds, too. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Uh, head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, before we talk about the Blazers, uh, how many years now have you toiled and excelled with your literary talents for the Oregonian? Well, I was there for like 20 years, and then I left for NBC Sports Northwest, previously Comcast Sportsnet. Uh, so I was there for six years, then one year at The Athletic, and then back to the Oregonian to cover the Blazers. Mostly, Most of my time with the Oregonian was spent well, first in news uh, for seven years, and then I covered primarily the Ducks and or the NFL for like, oh, man, 10 years? No, actually, I take that back. Sorry, that was for the better part well yeah better part of nine years and then i went to nbc and did ducks and nfl for another six so yeah man it's, it's the, the years the years are adding up but this and is my first year only, ever that is only at 35 is amazing that you squeezed all this i started at 10 <laughs> uh so this is my first time though covering the blazers full time i've you know, obviously you end up, you know, at the Oregonian or at NBC, you end up covering, helping out here or there, what have you, especially when I was at NBC, since they had the um, Blazers or they have the Blazer broadcasting rights, you know, there'd be times I'd jump in and help there, but this is my first full season. And it's quite, it's quite the, uh, it's, it's quite the marathon and it's a yeah. short marathon at that with no travel. I can't imagine doing 82 games and traveling. Oh my goodness. I, I might retire if that happens. Well, and quite the experience, obviously, <laughs> as, as we're talking about trying to cover sports uh, uh, in, in a semi-normal fashion in the pandemic era. So what would have been the big changes that you've experienced and maybe the adjustments you've had to make by not having the normal access to, uh, to players and coaches? Yeah, clearly just doing everything by Zoom has been extremely different. 
there are actually some benefits to it, I, I think, but overall it's, you know, it, it, it definitely can be limited. I mean, for one, they can rush people off the Zoom quicker than they might rush them away from a group of people after practice or after the game in the locker room. You know, in the locker room, you have a lot more time to sort of walk around and pick and choose who you want to talk to, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas post-game, they're bringing out stats and then one or two, sometimes three players, depending on the situation, usually two, I'd say. Uh, so it can be kind of limiting, but, you know, they've been accommodating with one-on-ones when you want them get people on the phone, et cetera. So that's been, that's been cool, but yeah, it's been, it's been also different, you know, like I said, mentioned no travel. Uh, we have the option to go to the home games, but you can't do in-person interviews. So you only really be going to the games just to watch the game live, which is cool. And I mean, obviously that's fun. Fans out there want to get the game. So the idea that I, they might think it's crazy. The idea that I can go to any game I want <laughs> right, and not go. Uh, but sometimes it's just not, convenient especially when you can't do locker room interviews because that's really the, the main number one uh, benefit of being at a live event is being able to do interviews afterwards and be, with the nba before because they have open locker room before so yeah it's, it's been an adjustment but you know again it's my first season covering the nba so i really don't have anything to compare it to other than what other people have experienced because i haven't covered a full season in the non-covid era so we'll see how that works out next year hopefully next year things will be back to normal and I wouldn't characterize you as uh, as a you know uh, controversial um, you know reporter or somebody who uh, you know goes after people you know in a, in a personal way and so forth. But but I, I would think that it is uh, for those who maybe uh, would would write something or say something that uh, would potentially uh, rub somebody an athlete maybe the wrong way. You don't really have the opportunity to kind of go talk to that uh, that that particular individual, um, you know, before or after a game or a practice, and try to kind of uh, just uh, you know iron things out and make sure that there's no hard feelings or no uh, grudges being held and so forth. And I know for a lot of reporters, that's an important thing to be able to have that that one-on-one uh, ability to go talk to a guy that's you know outside of you know just just kind of an off-the-record conversation uh, that, uh, that that isn't possible with the way things are done these days with the, with the COVID situation. Yeah, I mean, that's part of covering a, a team is getting to know people as well as you can, and you do that face-to-face. It's it's hard to do, the, do that via Zoom. Now, they can see you when you talk to them, but clearly, given that this is my first time on the beat and most of the players have never met me in person, now, Damien and CJ and Stotts, I've dealt with in person before while at NBC Sports Northwest. I've even done a couple of talking balls, I think, with Stotts as, as on the panel as well. Uh, so they they know of me at least, um, but they've never really dealt as closely with me as they have, say, Dwight James and Jason Quick, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so that's been a little bit of a, you know, I wouldn't, yeah, I mean, everyone's going through the same thing, but I haven't had any FaceTime with these guys. So like when things come up, they're, they're just going to come after me on Twitter or stare me down, you know, and end up on SportsCenter. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, the big news of the day, uh, the Blazers getting ready for the final game of their six-game road trip, a chance to have a fabulous 5 and one trip if they can recover from the loss the other day at Atlanta. Cleveland is the opposition today. Certainly a game the Blazers will be heavily favored to win. But the big news uh, out of Blazers camp today is the announcement that uh, starting with the home game against the Lakers on Friday and uh, just uh, by coincidence, maybe the biggest home game that uh, they'll have all season long, there will be a chance now for more people that being fans to be in attendance at the game. So what can you tell everybody by what uh, the governor has announced today that at least has opened things up at least a little bit uh, to get some more folks in the building? 
Yeah, they're going to be granted 10%, which is roughly 1,900 fans. They will distribute those tickets starting first with uh, basically based on seniority for season ticket holders. And then family, I assume some friends of players and coaches, et cetera, et cetera, can get tickets. And then they'll have some available for sponsors and I guess maybe a little bit available for the general population. I think that's going to be hard to pull off maybe because, I mean, I don't know what their season ticket base is, but I know it's pretty healthy. I actually have season tickets. uh, So you can get to 1900 really quickly. (laughs) I imagine like if you, if you, if you open up, you know, the, uh, the list, the request, let's say the season ticket holders, I can't imagine they're not going to get 1900 requests, like in the blink of an eye. Right. So there's not going to be very many tickets I would imagine available for, the, you know, the person without season tickets to just grab a ticket and go to the game. So while yes, they're going to open it up to fans and that'll make the arena more lively, even with just 1900, it's not like the average fan can just expect to be able to go to the game. Now, apparently, uh, Kanzano told me yesterday, and I, I can't, I think he tweeted this as well, that sources were telling him that for the playoffs, things might get expanded to 20%, but that's only going to happen as long as the, the cases remain reasonable. If they spike up again, the 10% could go away. So then obviously 20% wouldn't happen. So yeah, it's still a, a step in the, in the direction, excuse me, a positive step in the right direction. And for me personally, you know, getting to a game this season, if I'm a fan, I wouldn't sweat it that much because you're probably not going to get a ticket, but maybe this is the kicking off point to where by October, when the next season starts, things are normal enough where maybe half the arena can be full. Now you got 10,000 tickets available. So hopefully that'll happen. Yeah. Because uh, as we know, uh, you know, when, when we look at, at uh, the better home court advantages in the NBA, certainly the Blazers would be, you know, in the top five, I, I would think most people would agree to that. And so you're talking about getting ready for the most important time of the season, the postseason, and, and uh, in playoff series where home court advantage in the past has normally meant a lot. And for it to mean something this time around, you've, you've got to hopefully have some folks in the building to give you a positive atmosphere. So, so uh, I would hope that maybe, once we, yeah, hopefully once ahead, we the playoffs, more people can get in. Yeah. So let's say it goes to 20%. I mean, as of right now, the Blazers have a, a shot at fifth and they have a shot at seventh. If you're seventh, you're hosting Golden State in the first playing game. You would love to have 4,000 people there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be helpful, I think, in a situation like that. If you were to lose that game, then you would host the winner of, I think it's Memphis and San Antonio. Well, you, if that's, that's your do or die game. You're either in or you're out. Uh, you'd like to have at least 4,000 people there cheering you on. So I think it definitely would, would make a huge difference in the a playoff scenario. Uh, do you like the uh, the play-in situation, or do you think that it's only uh, helpful during a, 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 an, 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 a year when things aren't normal like this one? Yeah. You know, I, I have a mixed – relationship with this thing a love hate kind of thing with this i've thought about it a lot and i keep going back and forth that's why i call it a relationship um, but uh <laughs> they like okay do you remember back in the day when only i think only six teams made the playoffs and one and two had a buy and and three played six and four played five in a two out of three series 
think I think that was early Magic Johnson. They were doing it that back then. Well, I remember um, the two out of three. I remember that being in the uh, in the in the first round, which uh, people once they saw a few uh, <clears throat> favorites get upset. I think that there was some uh, that they, they, right. they quickly did away with that. But you're right. I mean, at that time, you know, there were some folks that, that thought maybe those were too many teams making the playoffs. And now, you know, right. you've got, you got went, so few that don't at this point. Right. Well, yeah. Well, then you went, they went to eight in each conference. And to me, that was just too much. Like one should not have to play eight. Two should not have to play seven, especially sometimes when those teams are barely 500. To me personally, from a competitive standpoint. And I think if you're dealing with a true competitive standpoint, you would say that. But there's obviously more involved because of the money, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so I could kind of see where they they're staying at eight. There's no doubt about that. But the reason. OK, I don't like it because I don't think it's fair for seven to maybe finish. I mean, right now, I think seven, if it's Portland, is I think there are seven games ahead of, of, of New Orleans who, who has a chance to be 10, and I think there are four or five games ahead of San Antonio. Why should you have to play in with that group when you've beaten them by four, five, six, seven games in the standings? That, to me, is unfair. However, since I don't believe that the playoff field should be eight anyway, <laughs> right, to me then I say, well, okay, at least you're making people fight to get into that eight. And your reward is to play one or two. So that's why I say I have a mixed feelings about this because I feel like it's too many teams as it is, but at least you're making seven and 10 have to battle it out. Therefore, one through six, they're being rewarded in some capacity for having a top six record. It's a beautiful day in the greater Portland area. And as we get uh, deeper into spring and getting closer to summer, that means uh, you're going to be wearing sunglasses when you're out and about and you want to look sporty. You want to have sunglasses that uh, do some good things for you. <laughs> and so... We uh, want to tell you about uh, Canaan uh, because it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canaan sunglasses. They are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So use the exclusive code Canaan, that's K A E N O N CAST, C A S T 15, the number 15 at Canaan.com to receive 15%. Off your first pair. That's K A E N O N C A S T 1 5 Canaan. Clearly better. We continue our Wednesday podcast with Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian. So, have you been able to figure out this Blazers team? We go from the only team in NBA <laughs> history to lose uh, four straight at home and then follow it up with immediately four straight wins on the road on their next uh, trip. And uh, as we said, losing in Atlanta the other day, but very good chance to come home with a five and one road trip, which would be fabulous leading into a stretch of some very important home games, starting with the Lakers on Friday, but uh, trying to figure out this team and, and trying to determine what they're capable of in the playoffs, I think has been uh, almost a week to week process at this point. Yeah, it's been pretty zany, you know, uh, short in camp, short even more because of COVID Nurkic begins the season out of shape, admittedly. Then when it looks like he's maybe turning the corner, he breaks his wrist. And one of the more fluky injuries I've ever seen. Like, I still can't, I still can't figure out how he broke his wrist reaching in to try and swap the ball away from Malcolm Brogdon. It's the most bizarre thing. Yeah, and never, CJ, seen the next, never seen it. Never seen it. The next game is going in for a layup and lands on – or wait, he landed and Clint Capella landed on him, actually. He didn't even land on Clint Capella. Capella landed on him. Uh, he hurts his ankle. Another kind of flukish kind of thing. And it's just like – or he hurt his foot, actually. And – and so, you know, but then you, but then from that is born, you know, the revelation of, of Simon's playing really well. And of course, Cantor becoming a double, double machine and them figuring out and Dame establishing himself as an MVP candidate. And so then you're hoping, okay, well, when CJ Nurk comes back, wow, man, they could be really good. 
I actually speculated before they came back that because Cantor had done such a good job of replacing Nurkic, and because the combination of Trent and Simons had done such a good job of replacing the combination of McCullum and Trent, meaning starter backup, um, I thought that they were going to be better, but not that much better to the point to overcome the schedule shifting gears into warp drive, right? I mean, the, the, the second half schedule for them was just wacky. I did an article on this at one point. It was like the Blazers remaining schedule. The teams had a combined winning percentage of like 548 or something like that. And the, the Mavericks, who I predicted were going to catch the Blazers, I predicted that, predicted that back in March, their combined winning percentage of opponents was like 47.47, something like that. That's how tough the Blazers' schedule was. And that bit them. That bit them badly right after they got Powell and Nurkic back, and they just were 6-10 and 10 in April. But then all of a sudden, like you said, they win four in a row. And the Lakers fall off. They lose a bunch of games. Dallas gets upset. Dallas can't beat Sacramento. Portland needs to send postcard or postcards of thank you notes to Sacramento. Yes, Sacramento do. somehow has beaten them three times. You would think Dallas would sweep them. Had Dallas swept them three times, Dallas would, would probably be too far ahead for Portland to catch right now. But all of a sudden, as of the other day, they were tied for fifth before they lost to Atlanta. So like yeah. it's, it's just amazing that they're in that position given all that's been going on, which is part of the reason why I'm one of the few people, it seems like in the media, who doesn't think Stotts should be on the hot seat because I'm like, dude, you go through that much upheaval on your team, on your roster, you lose your best rim protector slash and the highest rated defender for most of the season. And somehow you're still magically in, in the hunt for fifth. Like that's to, that to me is a great coaching job, but that's another story. Uh, so no, it's been, a, it's been a bizarre season. I do feel like that they are, you know, Lillard said this himself. They're, they're finally going to start playing desperately. They're going to, you got to get their hands dirty. They got to grind it out. McCullum said the same thing. We got to go into playoff mode. So they're basically announcing that, okay, now we're going to start playing real defense. We've been messing around for 60 games. We're, we're going to get serious <laughs> now. Um, so they're admitting that maybe they were giving maximum effort. Um, so it's just, it's just been a bizarre season. Again, it's my first one. So maybe this is that bizarre. Maybe this is the norm. Uh, but I, you know, I feel like as far as the playoffs go, if LeBron and AD can't get right, the Lakers are not going to have a chance, obviously. And to me, if the Blazers are playing better defense with Nurkic getting full complement of minutes and everyone else messing together, they have a puncher's chance against a lot of the teams that they might play in the first round, you know, because I, because they do have the firepower. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the first round and see if they can maintain some type of uh, defensive, um, you know, balance in, in some way to make themselves a threat in the first round. So you said you don't believe that Terry Stotts should be on the hot seat if things don't go well the rest of the way, maybe don't have a deep run into the playoffs. But that being said, do you think he is going to be on the hot seat if they don't have a good run in the playoffs? Um. <laughs> You know, if, if, you know, some good reporters are reporting that he is. So I believe them on their, uh, you know, on the merits of their reporting that they have some intel, which tells them that he very well could be. Uh, I personally don't understand it, given everything I just said. Um, but it sounds like they're going to have to maybe win a first round playoff series for him to be, you know, safe. That said, you know, the, the question, question one is, okay, who are you going to get? And the question two, who would you get that would do better this year with all the things they've been through? Here's another thing. The six and 10 month of April, the number one thing that hurt them in the month of April was 
Lillard being banged up and having one of the worst months of his career. I, I, I looked at every month of his career, the stats, and I could find maybe one or two that were equally as bad and another two that were close. So I, I'm calling this one, one of the worst five months he's ever had the month of April. He was awful. He was under 40% shooting. His three-point shooting wasn't too bad. But he averaged 22 points per game where he was averaging 30. Um, he, he just wasn't playing well. Defensively, he wasn't playing well. And they lost a lot of close games in that month. So when you add all those things up they've had to deal with, I personally don't see how he's on the hot seat, but apparently to a lot of good reporters, he is. So we'll just see what happens. Now, in this uh, first year on the beat, have you put in any requests to try to uh, uh, get any comments, any interview with uh, with Jody Allen? I mean, here's somebody who, you know, we 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 hear that she's very engaged with the team and that follows uh, uh, everything that goes on very closely. Uh, I'm not sure that she's been at a game. I know Burt Cold, uh, Paul Allen's right hand man and still very involved in the in the um, running of the franchise, at least in a secondary role. Uh, was at a game recently. I don't know if that was his first one all season long, but he was highlighted on television as being there. So I don't know that I've seen Jody uh, in attendance uh, all season long. Doesn't mean that she hasn't been, but um, but but I know she hasn't said anything publicly. And we used to think Paul was somewhat aloof. Uh, I think Jody uh, gives him a run run for his money in that respect. Uh, so I, I don't know that she apparently doesn't want to do any interviews, but I'm guessing that that you and probably some other folks at least have tried to get some kind of a comment from her, but without knowing where she's coming from and where she stands and how involved she wants to be, it's kind of hard to project uh, what might happen at the end of the season in terms of personnel. You know, is she going to get involved in, in areas that maybe, you know, she wasn't very skilled at uh, a few years ago, didn't even have to worry about uh, a few years ago. So it's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen when you don't necessarily know what the owner's thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And, you know, at first she went from not, caring that much about the Blazers to actually liking the idea of being involved with the Blazers. I, I personally, I, I've never had a conversation with her. I personally couldn't imagine that she would all of a sudden just jump in with both feet and start, uh, you know, lopping off heads like that to me wouldn't make much sense. <laughs> um, but I, I can't, I can't say for sure, for certain what uh, she's thinking, you know, to me, to me, the number one problem with the Blazers, and this has been the same problem for decades is that they need another marquee star. Like, they need another superstar. That That's what wins titles, multiple stars. And as good as Lillard is, he's not going to carry them to a championship by himself. He's good, but he's not that good. He's not Kobe. He's not LeBron. He's not Shaq. He's not Kareem. And those guys didn't even carry their teams to championships by themselves. They had other stars around them. So that, to me, is the biggest deal. So you can fire shots and bring in another coach, but if you don't bring in another star, it's not going to matter. I mean, you're going to win a couple more playoff series along the way. That's fine. But They've, they've done that in the past. So to me, that, and that's one of the reasons why I haven't paid much attention to the whole situation with Stotts with, in terms of what he's doing wrong or right, because I feel like I feel like it's impressive where they are given all the things they've been through. And I've always said about this team, they're not going to win a championship unless they have another player on the team as good as Lillard. So the fact they haven't won yet, won yet is not a shock to me. So again, if they go out and get another coach, that coach is not going to come in here and magically snap their fingers and all of a sudden this team's going to win titles with one star and that star being a six-foot-two guard. Because I'll ask you this, you've been following the NBA for a long time. How many teams have won titles with their best player being a six-foot-two-ish guard in the last 40 years? Detroit, Isaiah? That's one. And they had one of the best defenses ever. And then you throw Curry in there in 2015 before Durant. He's about 6'3", but he's yeah. he was their best player. That's twice. That's two teams in 40 years have done it. So you know, I'll, it's just, it's a monumental task. And then you're in a small market where stars are not looking to come unless, well, they're looking to come when they're past their prime, like Carmelo came when no one else wanted him. Right. Um, uh, and now Kevin Love allegedly is out there saying, 
he might want to come to Portland when he's past his prime, but they haven't been able to get another star to come here. And, and so that's, what's killing them more than coaching. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time and uh, your thoughts and your insights. And uh, we certainly will uh, follow your, uh, your podcast. And of course your great uh, writing and your great thoughts on OregonLive.com and uh, in the Oregonian as well. And um, it's uh, been an interesting first year for, uh, for you. And hopefully it uh, continues for a while longer into a, Decent playoff run with some more good things to write and talk about when all is said and done. But thanks for spending some time with us on the uh, podcast today. Thank you, and I'll be getting you on mine very shortly. Uh, that is a, that is an easy <laughs> thing to do, and it's certainly fair since uh, since you helped me out. I'm a, I will help you out anytime. That's uh, the great Aaron Fentress joining us here on our Wednesday edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast, sponsored in part by Bet Online. Friday, the Godfather, Dwight James, will be with us. Ooh. And we'll have a lot to talk about with regard <laughs> to the end of this Blazers road trip and a preview of the matchup with the Lakers on Friday night with some fans in the building at Moda Center. Won't that be fun as well? I'm Brian Wheeler. Have a terrific rest of this Wednesday on into Thursday. And we'll talk to you again on Friday for another edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.